Hey friends, welcome to the Robin Graham show. I'm so grateful you're joining me for another episode where we dive into entrepreneurship, faith, mental health, and so much more. I'm your host, Robin Graham, a brand strategist, business coach, and mentor. Join me every week to learn how mindset, strategy, and action combined will produce the results you are dreaming of. Discover your purpose and follow your God-led callings, values, visions, and passions to create a personal brand and strong foundation for long-term success. The sky is the limit when we spend time with like-minded people. Through interviews and solo episodes, we'll be diving into inspiring stories, life and business journeys of failure and success, and the strategies and tools used along the way. Ready to learn? Grab your cup of coffee, the car keys, or the dog's leash, and let's dive in to this episode. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of The Robin Graham Show. Today we're taking a little bit of a different approach to the episode. We talk a lot about business and what we're going to talk about today is how Steve Cunningham actually created a business to make an impact and serve other people in the mental health realm. You know that that is something that's very near and dear to my heart and we're going to talk today about building relationships, authentic connections to improve mental health. And Steve has created a really cool tool to help people do that. But before we dive in, I want to talk a little bit about the significance of this issue and why our conversation with Steve today is so incredibly important and that the work that he's doing is so incredibly important. So we're going to talk primarily about emotional isolation. And when we talk about emotional isolation, there are a lot of things to consider. But right now, and these numbers are all related to the United States. So listeners from other countries, I apologize, but these are not global numbers. These are US-related numbers today. But suicide is the 12th leading cause of death. And when you think about that, that is immensely significant. And it's terrifying. And it's not you know, you think of it a lot of times as one age group. It is not. It crosses a spectrum from youth all the way to elderly. So it's a significant problem. It's a significant issue that needs to be addressed. And we need more tools and more awareness of mental health to be able to prevent suicide. In 2020, there were 45, almost 46,000 people that died by suicide, and there were 1.2 million suicide attempts. Now, this can be related to mental health challenges, anxiety, depression, bipolar disorders, schizophrenia, all of those types of things, drug addiction. However, emotional isolation is one of those components that causes that or one of those things that causes that. When we talk about anxiety and depression, which also can cause emotional isolation, it can cause a breakdown of relationships. It can also result in suicide attempts. We've got 40 million people. That's 19.1% of the U.S. population has generalized anxiety disorder. Um, We've got 8.4%. That's like 21 million people who have depression. A lot of times depression and anxiety go hand in hand. So we have a significant issue on our hands when it comes to mental health. And that is just the tip of the iceberg in terms of statistics goes. So I'm going to leave you with all of those numbers from 2020, and we're going to dive into how we can improve this. And I want to share Steve with you because of this tool that I think you may find beneficial, your children, your parents, your friends. There are so many ways that this can be be used and applies. And here we go. Steve Cunningham, welcome to The Robin Graham Show. Thanks for having me, Robin. 
Thanks for being here. Um, we had a conversation several months ago now, and I really, really loved what you were doing. And I wanted to have you on the show because I think there's so much opportunity with what you're doing to make a positive impact on people's lives, not only their personal lives, but how they interact with other people, how they build relationships, the success they have in their businesses. And it crosses so many different areas of individual lives. So with that being said, before we dive into the program that or the app that you created, WeTree, I would love for you to tell the listeners a little bit about you and how you got to this point in your journey to identify this need and then create this incredible tool. Yeah. So uh, my, I always start off my story by saying I was a lawyer for exactly one week, uh, which is true. I uh, transitioned out of uh, the law field after one mm -hmm. week, um, became an entrepreneur. Uh, one of my uh, one of my businesses called Read It For Me, which is a business book summary service. And so we take best-selling business and personal development books and summarize them. And we've got customers ranging from individuals all the way up to Fortune 50 companies and everywhere in between. And so as we've been do as we moved along with that business and we were doing a lot of work with leadership development programs uh, around the world, we got a little bit deeper into how folks were using that tool to grow and develop. And what we found was that people, especially high achievers, tend to set goals in multiple areas of their lives. And so about three years ago, just you know, about um, a little bit before the pandemic, we created this survey just to try to understand like how people were setting goals in different areas of their lives. And so I had 12 questions or 12 areas. And... Um, it was just a test for us to see if we could get people to share those those goals with us. One of the things that came back out of that survey, we did this with people that we knew very well. So family members and friends, we did this with complete strangers. And it was the exact same thing across the board. One of the questions was, what are your emotional slash psychological goals? And every single person that took that survey said something along the lines of dealing with fear and anxiety or... Um, as far as disclosing that they've been dealing with uh, depression for a very long time. So I found out that people that I knew very well were dealing with depression for years and we had never spoken about it. Didn't even come close to talking mm -hmm. about it. But because it wasn't the, that wasn't really the main purpose of the survey, I, I would, my, my immediate reaction was, wow, I thank goodness I'm not the only one who feels this way. So it was almost a relief to know that okay, I'm not the only one struggling here. Um, but also I didn't have any idea what to do about it uh, because nobody was talking about it. And there's a reason for that. It's because it makes people feel awkward. Mm -hmm. So we kind of just left that aside and kept moving along with the, the goal setting exercise. But fast forward into the pandemic and we realized that clearly people are not doing better. They're doing worse. And mm -hmm. yet everything that I saw from my friends and my family and my coworkers and uh, all the people that I've interacted with on social media was life is great. Uh, here's all the, you know, here's the takeout we got because we're, you know, we're, we're happy in the pandemic. Um, but clearly people were uh, doing worse than they were before and we we're still not talking about it. So we decided we needed to create a, a way for folks to start to talk about these things, to share these things, and I, I went down a huge rabbit hole uh, studying 
the mental health space. Um, and what we found out at the at the bottom of that rabbit hole was everything comes back to emotional isolation. And in the literature, it's called loneliness, but um, it's kind of a bad it's a bad turn because most people don't think that they're lonely. Mm-hmm. If you would ask them, do you have people that you can talk to about the most important issues in their lives? That's when they disclose, oh no, I don't. And so there's there's a study that was happening over decades that asked that particular question, which is in the literature is called, do you have a confidant? But the question is, do, do you have people that you can talk to about the most important issues in your life? Um, the most common answer to that survey uh, question is zero. So most people do not have anybody to talk to when they're dealing with things that are super stressful or on the, on the bad end, but also things that really light them up on the positive end as well. So it's not just withholding, bad information, it's withholding good information as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those two poles are like, that's where the meaning in our life comes from. So that led us down the path of, okay, if that's, and, I, and what you, know, you mentioned earlier about addiction and uh, depression and suicide, the, at the bottom of those things is like emotional isolation ultimately causes those things. So people people get addicted to things because they're trying to escape their life Mm -hmm. because they have nobody to talk to. So at the root of every one of those things, except for uh, actual medical chemical imbalances in your body, which is not caused by emotional isolation, but the vast majority of things that we would consider to be depression and things that cause addiction are caused by not being able to talk to people. So we, we, we went down the path of trying to figure out how can we create a very simple tool to help people start to have these conversations when uh, things are going well and when things are not going well and to start to open up to the people that mean the most to them. Uh, so that was the, that was the journey uh, kind of compressed into a short time frame. I'm explaining it here, but um, that's where all of this work came from. You know, you said a couple of things that I think are really important to bring to the attention of the listeners, and that is people may not relate to the term loneliness, or they may not realize they're lonely because they have people all around them. But when they stop and think, and this can happen to anyone at any age, when they stop and think who they have in their life that they really, truly confide in, that's a completely different story than the number of people that you're generally around and associated with. And I think, you know, we, I think sometimes kids get a bad rap, you know, oh, well, they're making bad decisions and they're, you know, making bad choices and they're doing things they shouldn't be doing. But the reality is that if they don't have someone that they can talk to and they don't feel that there is security in who they're talking to, those choices are continue, are going to continue to be bad. And not productive, not healthy, and and all of those negative things. So I think it's important to to call those things out. So Steve, before we started talking or before we started recording, we talked about um, like the three components, sort of. Um, I'm not sure exactly how we should call them, but you know, it's it's the goal, the result we want is greater mental health. The mm-hmm. the problem is emotional isolation, and then the result is basically authentic connection. And those three things are the key to the design of your app, WeTree. 
It is designed to help families. It's designed to help people who don't even know each other. Um, but I think there's there's so much intimacy in this app that we don't even necessarily have in our own personal lives on a day-to-day basis. And I would love for you to talk a little bit about how the app works, how these connections occur. Um, and I know you have a story just with your own daughter uh, related to how powerful this tool is. So I would love for you to, to describe all of that to the listeners. And so we get a, a more of a full picture of what the app is like. Yeah. Um, so I want to kind of break it down into two components. I like to tell you two stories, uh, one about my daughter and one about my father. Um, so the initial version of the app, basically there's a, uh, a gentleman by the name of Martin Seligman, who is the grandfather of positive psychology, basically created a field when he was the past, uh, when he was the president of the American Psychological Association. And his theory of well-being is an acronym called PERMA, which stands for positive emotion, engagement, relationships, meaning accomplishment. And then the practitioner community over the last several years added on the NH, which stands for health, and it means physical health because physical health, as we are starting to learn, does interact quite closely with mental health. So there's mm-hmm. a reason why you feel good when you go exercise uh, Absolutely. And, and vice versa. So um, I'm going to interrupt you for one second. I love the phrase movement is medicine for the mind because it really truly is. So sorry, go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah absolutely. Um, so the, the, we, we like to kind of just go straight at an issue um, and see if that, and see if the easy way works first. And so we thought um, there was a lot of measurements around how to see what level of PERMA somebody has in their life. Um, we thought, what if we just ask people directly how you're doing on a day-to-day basis in each of those six areas? So at the end of the day or at the beginning of the day, whenever you would most likely do a self-reflection, in a scale of one to five, how is your positive emotion for the day? How is your engagement? How are your relationships? Uh, how uh, well connected to meaning and purpose did you feel? Uh, and so on. So um, we started asking people those questions. Lo and behold, they uh, answer them. And what we find over time um, is that people feel a lot more comfortable disclosing these things into an app. We don't know exactly why, and we're not actually that concerned with why. We're concerned with people actually disclosing, you know, when they're doing well and when they're not doing well. So it works. And I'll tell you a story. There's also two open-ended questions we ask. One is, what are you most grateful for today, and what do you need help with? So I asked my daughter to uh, several months ago to download the app just to make sure, like, she could use it. I really wasn't trying to get her engaged in the app. It was more like test the onboarding sequence of our, our app and is it clear to an 11-year-old? So two minutes later, she said, okay, I'm done, which for me was awesome because it's a world record for her responding to any request that I make. So that was that was fun. And she put into the app uh, in her first reflection that um, she was grateful for a new puppy that we just got. Um, which I was not as grateful for, I, I admit. And also um, uh, what she needed help with was controlling her emotions. And we had never spoken, not even once, about her controlling her emotions. Um, and so what she, for some reason, felt more comfortable in this app 
then in a face-to-face interaction was telling me that she felt like this is something that I think I want, I need to work on. And so that enabled me as a parent to say, Hey, well, you know, let's talk about that. How does it make you feel? Where, where are you struggling? Like, how can I help you? And also, get, you know, let her know that she can talk about things that she's struggling with uh, to me. And that, you know, hopefully over time leads to a better place for her. Uh, so, um, Fast forward about ten days later, she she's posting every other day, which is which is great, um, and she's posting excellent numbers, so like fours and fives, which would suggest that she's doing very well. But she just threw in this one word ten days later about sadness. She just literally put in, "What do you need help with?" Her answer was sadness. So I at first thought she's just putting in words to complete the exercise so that she can tell me that she did the exercise. But I asked her uh, when you know we're doing our nighttime routine. You know, is that something you want to talk about? And she said, "Yeah, it is something I want to talk about. Um, from time to time, I feel sad, I feel overwhelmed, and I don't know why." So she, at 11 years old, was feeling the way a lot of us adults feel, especially during the pandemic, just overwhelmed, and we don't can't really put our finger on why. We just know that we feel horrible. Um, so that again allowed you know, that one word is as a pathway in to have a conversation about it and that I could assure her this, this is not the last time you're going to feel this way. Um, and it's okay to feel this way. Um, and the best way to get over feeling that way is to talk about it. And so let's mm-hmm. talk about it. So again, it allows people to disclose things that they otherwise would not disclose to you, to your face in the, in a face-to-face interaction, but also um, start to feel more comfortable that, when somebody responds positively in that situation, now they know that when they need help, they can get it. So that was a really powerful experience for me as a parent, but also as somebody developing a service to see that. And we, we that's just one example and tell stories because they're more interesting. But we see that across the board with people who are using the app as they really feel the ability to disclose things they otherwise would never disclose. And sometimes, and they don't have the language. They don't even have the words to disclose it. It's like, I just have one word to ex- explain what I'm feeling right now. All I can do is press a button and make it red. That's mm-hmm. all I can do in that. Cause if you think about it in those States, when you're feeling like that, like your, your brain doesn't work as well mm-hmm. as you want it to. So, um, so for, and that may be one of the reasons why we don't talk about it with other people. We literally don't feel like we can mm-hmm. talk uh, the mm-hmm. words. So that was, I think that happens a lot, especially for younger people too, teens who are struggling with anxiety or depression or some of these negative emotions. They, they can't pinpoint why they're feeling a certain way and then put that, those feelings into words. That was one of the driving factors behind writing my book was to describe like, okay, this is, if you're seeing these behaviors or if someone is experiencing these physical symptoms, maybe if you're not, you know, able to give a diagnosis to whatever these things are. Maybe it is mental health. Maybe it's anxiety. Maybe it's depression. Cause so many times we can't, you're right. We can't verbalize it. Yep. I, and I see that in myself. I see that in other people that are, that I love and that are close to me. Um, so um, that's kind of, it was the first iteration of what we were working on, which was feel comfortable disclosing when you're struggling. Mm-hmm. Um but there was another there was another piece that seemed to be missing, and that was the positive side. 
So we don't, we also, you know, we don't feel comfortable disclosing when we're overwhelmed with sadness, but we also don't feel comfortable disclosing the things that, that wake us up in the morning and get us out of bed. And, you know, are the most meaningful things in our life. So like we, so I thought, how, how do we get people to talk about those things? Cause those are uncomfortable to talk about as well. Cause we feel like people are going to make fun of us for this dream that we have, or people will tell me that it's not possible or what, whatever. There's a, there's a mental block we have about talking about the positive things as well. So again, I'm like, can, can um, maybe it's laziness. I don't know. I just like, what's the quickest way we can get at this. So I remembered the, that 12 area exercise that we did previously. What I realized was that those are what people were putting in the, for their answers. Like those were the things that lit them up. Those were the things that were the most deeply meaningful things to them. So I'll give you a one quick story around that. Um, uh, one of the people I had do that exercise, which uh, is again, just what do you want in these diff- 12 different areas of your life was my father. And um, he put down, one of the questions is what are your adventure goals? And his answer was Hawaii, France, just two words. And when I saw it, I was like, well, that's interesting because he has never, and we have a very close relationship. We talk all the time. He has never spoken those words out loud to me. I'm sure of it because I would have asked him about it. So I said, <clears throat> so I came up with a, a, a methodology to kind of say, okay, how do, now that he told me what his goal was, how can I talk to him? Because that's part of the problem is we don't know how to talk about these things. So I asked him, so the three questions are, uh, tell me more. Can you tell me more about that? Why is that important to you? And how can I help? So I just ran through it. I said, well, tell me about Hawaii. He said, well, um, when I was growing up, the trip you would take, if you quote unquote made it, was you would go to Hawaii. And so that gave me uh, the question, you know, the story behind it is where, you know, the real magic is. So he he's telling me, yes, this is something that from my day, it was what we would want to do. Um, and also he's telling me that I, I don't feel like I've made it yet. So that gave me a real insight into kind of how he was thinking about um, his life. That one, but that wasn't the most interesting part. The most interesting part is when I asked him about France and he said, um, well, my grandfather was in World War I. Uh, he was shot and killed in Belgium. He is buried in Vimy, France, and nobody from our family has ever been over to touch his gravestone. And I want to do that before I die. And so <clears throat> what, what happens when we, we dig into the things that are important to people is they have a story behind it. And they've been dying to tell that story. And, you know, for me, the reaction is, why didn't you, why didn't you tell me that story before? That's an amazing story. Like, and, and how can I help? Like, I'm I'm now in your story. Like, I want to help you get this done because that's, you know, it'd be an amazing story. And you can picture the picture of him touching the gravestone. It would be like a really cool experience. Um. So, and he, he sent me a bunch of pictures of like, here are the medals and like, here's the gravestone. And so it just really got him engaged in something that was important to him. And so what we realized is that if you just simply, or the, the thing that struck me was I said, well, why didn't you tell me this before? And this, this, I asked this question of people I know well, of strangers, and the answer was always the same. Nobody has ever asked. And so we go through life carrying mm-hmm. 
these negative things that we don't disclose and we go through life carrying these positive things that we don't disclose. And the reason we carry them is that nobody asks. And so for us, that was um, a really big clue of like, how can we solve this is just by asking. So giving people tools to allow them to ask the people that are most important to them. Are you, are you doing okay? And also um, what's important to you and the, so we're building into the app now a tool to be able to allow people to interact with those um, 12 areas with one another on a regular basis so that whenever you're interacting with that person, uh, you can just simply ask, how, mm-hmm. how is that going? Or tell me more about that and allows for those connections to form where otherwise uh, they might not form, which of course those two, you know, those, those two things interact with one another, the more likely the more somebody shows that they care about you, the more likely you're going to be to disclose when things are not going well. And those two things actually strengthen each other uh, mm-hmm. over time. So that's kind of the, the second element of what we've figured out, you know, since the, since the last time we spoke mm-hmm. was that there's this missing piece of the positive end as well, which people are more naturally inclined to participate in because it makes them feel good. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been an exciting uh insight so, on our end. So Steve, you both examples you gave are f- familial. They're your family. Yes. So what about the person that joins the app, but doesn't have family or friends on the app? So I can see this is profound capabilities here with or opportunities for family members to connect mm-hmm. with those that they, you know, I think of my mom who, who lives alone. My father passed away and you know, my sister's there for a touch point, my great, my nieces and nephews are there for touch points, but it's, it's different. She spends the majority of her time alone. Yes. She now has friends and things like that, but that deep loneliness from missing my father is something that she doesn't share often. And so I could see where that would be useful to have, you know, as a family, my mom, my sisters, our kids, you know, whatever, what about that person who doesn't have anyone on the app that they know already? So a um, couple of things. The first is that most most people we speak to know somebody that they could invite into the app with them. And so we always encourage them to, the most people, the people you're most likely to build authentic connections with are the people that are already in your life. Sure. And um, it will be a positive experience when you do it. So we coach people through Here's how to go about doing it. However, there's also a desire for some people to connect. Uh, so when, when we initially started the app, we're like, this is for people who are close to you already. That was our initial hypothesis. And what we found is that people also uh, sometimes sometimes solely and sometimes also wanted to connect with strangers. They wanted to, they wa- basically they wanted to make friends. Mm-hmm. And so that was that was an interesting insight for us. They want to join a group of, you know, whatever the life stage is or whatever, you know, a group of CEOs or a group of retirees with, you know, who are widowers or there's always some form of desire to get into a a group setting with other people Mm -hmm. who are uh, growth minded and also are, you know, seeking, none of them actually come out and say it, but they're looking for friends. And so this is a, you know, using both of these tools is an easy way to, to build authentic connections with people quickly. So one of the things we're working on is the ability to create public groups 
in the app so that you can both create a group and have people join you, or you can go find a group and join those groups to run through the same exercises uh, with people that um, you're not close to. And um, I thought, I thought for sure that would be a really bad idea. Like there's no way people are going to share these things with strangers. And I was 100% wrong. So they are actually sometimes more inclined to start Mm -hmm. with a stranger than they are with somebody who's close to them. So that that's been another fascinating uh, learning along the way. So that's kind of how we're dealing with the use case of somebody that doesn't have somebody they feel like they can connect with. Yeah. So I have one more question for you related to like the logistics of the apps. When you, when you have family, so your daughter's 11, do you have data on the response responsiveness of teens or like young adults in high school, college, and, and how they're using the app alongside their parents? Um, we don't have a ton of data um, outside of my anecdotal data for how folks are using it with their parents. Cause we don't know who is, who is who inside the app and we make a concerted effort to, you know, let people's data be their data uh, because they're sharing some, some sensitive things. Um, But I know, I know anecdotally that um, on the part on the, the check-in part on tell me how you're feeling that needs a little bit of prodding when you're dealing with younger people. Um, that, that exercise alone is not as engaging for them as TikTok um, uh-huh. or whatever, whatever other be real than the, the newer social network. Um, so um, we're working on elements to try to make it more interesting for young folks as well. Um, but they are much more engaged on the positive end because they, they do want to know what's important to their friends, what's important to their parents. And, um, when people ask them about what's important to them, they're engaged, they're much more engaged in that, in that as well. So, um, that's a non-answer to your question, but that's, yeah, that's no, that's but I think it's a, I think it's a legitimate answer. And I think the fact that you're evaluating what you can do to get to gain their interest in some of those other questions is great. Sometimes it's a simple selfie that could dictate their emotions and their feelings. You know, you see that face and you're like, Oh, they're not having such a great day. Um, yeah. Um, the be real app. I just have to point out that that is the silliest thing I think I've ever seen. My daughter has that. I'm like, what, what is this anyway? That's uh, for another time. Right. Um, okay. So let's talk a little bit about the logistics. So someone can go to the app store, download the app and it costs what for like, is it a monthly subscription? Is it a yearly subscription? How are you setting this up from a business perspective? Yep. So you can go to the the app store. Um, right now it's on iOS. Uh, we'll be on Android soon. Um, there's a free account, which gives you one other connection. So if you think about how some folks will will use apps with, you know, with, with their spouse or, or uh, with a child mm-hmm. or a coworker or a friend. So you can have the first connection for free. So you can build that authentic connection with whoever you want in your life um, for free. And if you want to unlock unlimited connections, uh, it's a monthly uh, fee of $9.99 or $79 oh. uh, a year, which okay. also gives you the ability to create groups um, in the app as well. So if you have a, a small group at your church or you have a group of employees you want to connect or a class at school you want to connect, you can create a group um, with that same 
level of membership, um, which allows everybody in the group to be in the app um, without having to pay for it. So the reason why you would upgrade the app is you want to add the second or the third or the fourth person, and that person's mm -hmm. account is free because we give everybody one connection. Uh, yeah. So you don't have to worry about um, roping somebody into an app where they have to pay. Um, the yeah. first connection is always free. That's awesome. So, and I, I want to point out when we, when we talk about paying for something, sometimes people are like, oh, I can't afford that. Or, oh, I don't want to spend money on that. Here's the thing. When we're talking about mental health, the, the opportunities for, for growth, for overall life improvement, for business improvement, relationship improvement is so deep. It's so, it's, it's endless. The sky's the limit. When we talk about when you improve your mental health and you get some of these emotions out that have been holding you back or weighing you down. So I just wanted to put that emphasis out there because this entire process, Steve, um, and we talked about it before we hit record, you know, greater mental health. The problem is, is that emotional isolation. And then, you know, the, the result is having that authentic connection. But when you have true, genuine, authentic connections and you're, you eliminate or at least alleviate that emotional isolation, every aspect of your life, you're going to be more motivated. You're going to put in the time to exercise, to be more healthy. You, there's so many facets of your life that this is going to cross over. So I just wanted to mention that because I think it's really important to not just, oh, I'm not going to pay for another app or, oh, I'm not going to pay for an app when I could get a different app, fear, app free. This is something that is so incredibly valuable. So with that being said, um, I'm going to let you tell the listeners where they can connect with you, learn more from you. We know where they can download the app, but um, they can also go to your website. So tell us all the the good details of how they can can actually connect with you and learn more. Yeah, so our website is getwetree.com. That's G-E-T-W-E-T-R-E-E.com. And we'd love to give anybody who's listening a free month of the service. If you go to getwetree.com slash Robin. And uh, yeah, you can find out all, all you need to know about the app there. And we hope to see you inside the WeTree community. That's awesome. Steve, thank you so much for the work you're doing. This is so powerful. And I, I really appreciate that you are taking that step to not only help yourself, but to help so many other people in the world who, who truly do need better mental health. So thank you. Thanks for having me and thank you for the, the work that you're doing. It's uh, much needed. Thanks, Steve. And that's a wrap, friends. If you enjoyed this episode and found the information helpful, please take a moment to subscribe and leave a rating and review. That would mean the world to me. If you know someone who could use the information shared today, please share the episode with them too. And let's connect. You can find me on Instagram, Clubhouse, Facebook, and LinkedIn as The Robin Green. Lastly, if you'd like more information on personal branding and brand marketing strategies, be sure to join my email list and the Female Entrepreneur Insider Facebook group. We are there every week with tips and trainings to help you build a solid foundation for brand and business success. And don't forget, on the website, you can find a plethora of free resources. Go to therobingraham.com forward slash resources and download any of the free resources that I have created to help you build a personal brand that stands out and makes an impact. Until next time, remember to smile.